0: Okay, so um, I am talking on self-control. And um, when I got given this, t- this subject, I found it quite ironic because anyone who knows me historically, I, I tend to buy things on impulse. I don't always think about things. It's not my strongest suit. And on top of that, I was thinking about my uni days and I was thinking, oh, it wasn't always the best of my money at uni either than being sensible there was self-control. I remember one time in the middle of the night, because this is what you do at uni, we realised we'd run out of food And so, me and a housemate decided we had to go to Tesco's to buy some more food. However, we were so nervous that we would buy a DVD box set or game that we spent an hour trying to convince our other housemate, who was very self-controlled, to come with us. didn't work, and we did buy a DVD box set, but it was worth a go. So, those are some bad habits. Now, I'd like to think that I am a little bit better now. I'm sure my family might say otherwise, but I think I am. So, what is self-control? Well... Wikipedia, which is obviously the fountain of all knowledge and must be true, says self-control controls one's emotions, behaviours and desires in the face of external demands in order to function in society. In psychology, it is sometimes called self-regulation. So that's self-control. Hopefully you've all got that. I think I can go now. We all know it's not that easy. Now, I want to give you some examples of some lack of self-control. And we find this a lot in the animal world. So I want to show you first: this is our cat. Okay. She's called Tiggy. And you'll notice she's on the lead. That's because she is so dumb that if we let her walk on her own, she would probably go straight into a car and just stare at it, like, are you gonna hit me and let it hit her? So we have to walk her on the lead. Now, Maria and my wife brought a really nice bag. She had brought a lovely bag, and she really liked this bag, and one day she put it down, and the cat started to attack it, and she told the cat off and we thought we'd done the behaviour thing, and that was it, and the cat would be sensible. But no, the cat ruined the bag. So me, being a loving husband, brought a new bag. Look, She gave it to her. She looked after it. And one day she dozed on the sofa, and sure enough, the cat ruined two bags. And if you look, there's a little note here that says, I chewed chewed up mummy's new handbag. Daddy brought a new one to replace it. I chewed up that one too, because I have no self-control. So that's our cat. She is pretty, pretty stupid. And she doesn't even look bothered by it. She just looks kind of... Frustrated ass, I think. But my cat isn't alone in a lack of self-control. Here we have a dog who eats dirty Kleenex when no one is looking. Okay, we should pretty gross. I'm not sure how this happened, but apparently this hamster he peed on a hamster. Okay. Or even I put a half-dead mouse in my mum's mouth because she was not waking up to look at it. Nice. <laughs> I pooped on the carpet while mummy was shampooing it. Now I would argue here that the, uh, the owner possibly lacked self-control letting the dog on the carpet while she was shampooing it. But there you go. And my personal favourite, because it just seems bizarre, I stole a pretzel from a goat. <laughs> now, it's not just in the animal kingdom that we see a lack of self-control. Anyone who has children know that the moment you leave the room, their self-control can go out the window. You should never leave kids with paint, for example. I hear that's a really bad idea. Okay? So these are some really bad examples of self-control. Now, we all need self-control in our lives, okay? That's a fact. You and I both know that if when I'm driving along, if someone cuts me up, if I want to ram them off the road. That's not a sensible thing to do. That's not culturally acceptable. The police may not be very happy about it and the, other, the owner of the other car may not be very happy. No matter how much they cut me up or what they did, I need to engage self-control. There are things like avoiding naughty images online. People do that because it's deemed culturally unacceptable. So many of the things we do through our self-control as a result of self-control, it's because the culture around us deems it unacceptable. And that's okay, we say, no, I won't do that because that's not acceptable. We don't go and rob the, when we need money, we don't go to the shops and steal it out of the till because we know that's not an acceptable thing to do. We need self-control. Now, self-control also applies to common sense. Now, I'm afraid men, we tend to be the worst ones at this because we often think we can try something And take shortcuts and I'm not sure it's always a good idea I don't know what happened next in this situation but I feel like this was a very very bad idea but so it is good to have self-control of some level it is good that we have self-control to avoid us doing things that perhaps although possible not very sensible now the thing about self-control is it is all external. And what I mean by that is the decisions you make, the choices you make when it comes to self-control is regulated by what others think. And what I mean by that is, as I said, if you wanted to rob a bank, you won't because that's not acceptable. Mikey ate the donut, which was a little bit cheeky. Well done. But actually, he knew that wasn't acceptable and that was a good illustration. Now, as Christians, we are, it is good to have a healthy level of self-control. It's good to live a life without sin, above reproach, reading the word, lies of integrity, that we remain calm, peace to all men, etc, etc, and all that jazz. And you could argue that's it, then we could go. Because actually we can just take what we've learned about self-control and that's it. But I don't think it is that simple. You see, everyone in here, we all know that we are talking on the fruits of the Spirit, one too far. We are talking on the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the key with a fruit, as Gareth told us a few weeks ago, is that it has to grow. It takes time to grow. It takes time to birth. It takes time to form. And the thing with it as well is that it grows from a plant or a tree where its roots are embedded in soil. Now, when we look at roots... We see Colossians 2, 6-7 to says, And now just as so you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And if you look, it says, let your roots grow down deep in him. So what are these roots? Well, if we're talking from a worldly sense and we're talking about self-control. I would argue that it is based in fear, frequently. Now, not necessarily always bad, but it is rooted in a thought process of fear, of restraint, of doing things to make sure I'm not judged, that no one thinks badly of me, that I'm okay. And sometimes that's good, but sometimes that's really bad. And that gets in the way of decisions and actions that we should do. It's a way, the root is based in the eyes of judgment, in views that aren't acceptable. Now the Christian root cannot be based in fear. When we make decisions, when we choose to act self control, it cannot be based, as the world would tell us, in a place of fear. It has to come from something different. If we look at Jesus that's not if we look at Jesus, we find that actually what he did wasn't always what was sensible in the eyes of the world. For example, he ran into a temple, he got angry, he knocked tables over. I don't think those around him would have thought he was acting in self-control. He spent 40 days in the wilderness with no food and no drink. And I think pretty much the world says, you're crazy, why would you do that? That's not very self-control, you're not thinking that through, that's not a sensible thing to do. He spat in mud and then put it in someone's eye. Yes, that person was healed, but I have a feeling everyone around him went, you're crazy. Use some self-control. Use a bit of restraint. Hold back. That's not a very sensible thing to do. He gave alcohol to a party where they had been partying for seven days. I think you could argue that that perhaps isn't good self-control. <laughs> These are all countercultural. All would be judged by the world's view of self-control as a negative thing. All would be said that actually you shouldn't have done those things. Those weren't sensible. Those were irrational, they were crazy. So a biblical view of self-control then, is to be willing to live in a way that is countercultural, to have self-control that says yes" when the world would say no. If we come back to the roots analogy: when Jesus died on the cross, he took off fear our shame, our judgment, our hurt, and took it all away so that we could be with him for eternity. And he commissioned us with a mission to spread the good news, his joy, to the world. If you like, he uprooted us from a small plant to a big field. Now, if we as a people can grab hold of the truth that actually we have been taken from a place of restraint which might look nice and pretty, but actually traps us and holds us. If we can get hold of the fact that God has taken us from there and he has released us into a place where there is no fear, there is no condemnation, there is no, nothing that holds you back. What a different journey we would have. Because the fruit of your life would look different to that of the world. Because your roots wouldn't be based in fear, they wouldn't be based in the judgment mental eyes of others they would be based in him and his opinion and his glory and his hope and his future on that if you know when we have that kind of revelation when we can see what god is saying then actually doing what seems crazy isn't so crazy you know, to step out, to 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 choose to go away to another country with nothing to support you. The world would say that was an irrational, crazy decision. Why would you do that? But Jesus says, you are enacting self-control. You are doing it through faith and not fear. Maybe God says, stay in the place where you don't really want to, or where it doesn't make sense to. But again it's enacting self-control because God has put you there and he's spoken into your life to stay there. Even when everyone around you is saying, oh no, no, you should get out of that. I want to give you a little bit of an example of this in my own life. A few good few months to get that go now. Um, just to give a few contexts, I do three jobs currently, three part-time jobs and it makes up just over full-time and that's, that's fine, I love that arrangement. But a few months ago, I got offered full-time and it would have been really easy to have said yes. Because actually it was one job and the other two jobs weren't completely stable. We weren't sure what was going on with them. And it would have been really easy to gone, you know what, yeah, that job opportunity is there. That's the sensible thing to do. I'll take that job. I'll do that because that makes sense. It makes sense to make that decision. It makes sense to be self-controlled and think, I've got to look after my family, I've got to do all of this. And those are all really good points and it is right to at times. But something in me said no. Something in me said that wasn't what was right for me. And I agonised a bit. And my, my wife will tell you that I was tooting and throwing a bit over it because I was thinking, God, this is the sensible option. This makes sense. Why, why wouldn't I step out and do this? But I knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't what God had put in my heart. I knew it wasn't the right decision for me in the long term. And so I turned it down. And now I'm at a place where I've still got the three jobs, so the other jobs didn't go, which is great. And there's possible new opportunities afoot. And that's scary because we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where that's going. But I made a decision to step out. It took self-control to make a decision that was right in the eyes of my faith when it wasn't right in the eyes of the world. So, my challenge to us as a church is which pot or which place are you in? Where is your fruit coming from? Does it look nice, look pretty, possibly even have a label of Jesus on the pot, but if you rip that off, theory is written underneath? Or is it in the wild fields of Jesus where your fruit can grow and it can blossom and it can be to be beautiful and gorgeous to eat. Where is your fruit coming from? Are you based in fear or are you based in faith? Thanks for listening. Okay.